All right, let's pray and we'll jump in. Father, we uh, thank you for your word. It is good and it is true. And as we begin looking at Abram's life, uh, we see uh, lots of threads of stories. Um, There's so much here, much more than we're going to be able to look at this morning, but please help us as we consider what it means to walk by faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so as we're starting off the series, the, the question I want us to start us off with is this, what does it look like to walk by faith? Uh, what does it look like to see these promises that are given to you and realize that promises haven't been fulfilled and yet you're continuing on this journey seeking to follow God uh, in the way that he calls you to go? Abram or Abraham, and I will, I promise you that even though his name right now is Abram, I will call him Abraham multiple times. I will do the same thing with Sarai and Sarah. So just, they're the same people. Uh, Abram and Sarai uh, are an example to us of what that looks like. The fascinating thing about Abram or Abraham is that he really is a very, very, very important individual. Uh, uh, um, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all claim him as a patriarch of the faith. If you look just at the New Testament, Abram's name, Abraham is mentioned 320 some odd times in the New Testament. That's more than David, more than Moses, and more than Adam. It's a very important individual. Uh, In fact, you are here, according to the writers of the New Testament, you are here today because of Abraham. It is God's faithfulness to Abraham that allows us to be here in this room 2,000, no, not 2,000, 5,000 years. I think he's around 2,000 BC as Abraham uh, before, uh, after, his, after his life. That's how important this man is. And so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at his life. We're going to look at Sarah's life. We're going to look at their ups and downs. We're going to see their successes and their failures. We're going to see the moments where their faith is really strong, and we're going to see their moments where their faith falters, and they try to take things in their own hands. We're going to walk with them in that struggle. Uh, And as we walk with them in that struggle, we're going to consider our own struggles. We're going to consider our own abilities to trust in God in those moments where we don't trust in God, where we take matters into our own hands, and as a result, make a mess of things. Uh, And guess what? We start off with both of those things happening just in the first few verses of this family's life. Uh, And through it all, what we're going to do is we're gonna continue to look to Jesus because Jesus is the one that helps us to understand the importance of Abraham and Sarah, why these two individuals are so important for us uh, as people who live thousands and thousands and thousands of years after they walked the face of the earth. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to start off looking at their life and what we're going to see is that Abraham is a man who walks by faith. But we're also going to see that his faith falters in some pretty awful ways uh, right from the get-go. And yet through it all, what we find is that God remains faithful. God does not falter even when his people falter. And those are going to be the three points that we're going to look at today. We're going to look at walking in faith, Uh, a faith that falters, and then a God that does not falter. Those will be our three points. Now, kids, 
If you look in your bulletins, what you're going to find is that there are three fill-in-the-blanks. You're going to see slides up behind me in a second. And whenever you see a star, that means that that's a fill-in-the-blank spot for you, okay? Um, So the first thing that we're going to do is we see Abraham walking in faith is we're going to see that God calls Abraham to go. Ding, ding, ding. There should be a slide with a star on it for you right now. Um, Now, uh, God calls Abram to go. Now, in order for you to get a sense of the journey that he goes on, can you please show the next slide? So this is a map of Abraham's world. Uh, and Abraham starts off in the bottom right-hand corner. You see the big word Babylonia, and circled in red is the city of Ur. Now, Ur was a very prosperous city. Uh, we have um, archaeological evidence that says that the kings of Ur were buried with gold and jewels and chariots and weapons and servants. Very Egyptian-esque, if you know, like, you know, Egyptian tombs and stuff like that. It's very reminiscent of that. It's a prosperous city. It was also a religious center. Uh, so it was the, the place where the Mesopotamian god of the moon was worshipped. I won't try to pronounce her name because I will butcher it. Um, but but so, so Abram and his family, Terah, Nahor, uh, Sarai, all of these people are born and raised in a very prosperous and very pagan city. So this is where God calls Abram out of. Now here, it says that Terah took his family up to Haran. That's the next slide. Uh, you see where Haran is. You see the journey that they take from Ur up to Haran. But Genesis 15 and Nehemiah 9, I think, tell us that God was already at work in Abram's family when they were in Ur. So even though it's Terah that takes them up to Haran, humanly speaking, God was already at work in causing Abram and his family to go. So so going, God moves his people. That's a constant theme that we see in the scriptures. God moves his people and his movement of people is a part of the way that he makes things happen in the world. So Haran is in modern day Syria. Ur is in modern day Iraq. Haran is in modern day Syria. And it's here in Haran that Abraham, we are told, receives a word from God that he is to go. Now, uh, let me read these verses for us here. Uh, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Hold on to that word blessing. It's going to be important. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham is being called out of the, this this place that's familiar to him. He's being called away from most of his family. Uh, He's being asked to walk by faith and God doesn't tell him where he's going to send him, right? Now, as the story progresses, he ends up in the land of Canaan. And what you see in the next slide in the land of Canaan is again, just the, the, the distance that he is traveling and he's doing this as an expression of the faith that he has in God. So that right there is the land of Canaan. That is the promised land. Now, you ever wonder why we call it the promised land? It's in part because it's the land that was promised to Abram and Sarai. So now what happens is that Abram and Sarai, they go down into Canaan and they begin to journey south. And there's a slide that we'll see in a few minutes there's a slide that shows it's just the, the journey within the promised land that they actually take. But what I want you to see now, I want you to think of right now, actually, is it the next slide? I don't remember 
the order of slides that I have. Yes, there it is. So this is, this is their journey in the promised land. This is how they actually walk through. And that green shaded area is the land of Canaan. That's the land of promise. And what you notice is that they begin from the north and they're taking this journey south, 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 south until they're at the very other end of the land of promise. Each step is walking by faith. Now, so that's the first thing that God calls them to do. God calls them to go. The second thing that God calls them to, kids, pay attention, uh, is he calls them to be a blessing. Now, we're going to look at that next week because there's too much there for us to try to do in one sermon. So we're going to look at the blessing component next week in the next sermon. But the third thing that we are going to look at today is that God calls them to worship. Now, what's fascinating about this is that as Abram is going through the promised land, he builds altars. Uh, This is Genesis 12, verses 7 to 8. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. From Bethel, he went on to Ai uh, on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Why is he building altars? Altars are places where sacrifices are made. And so in effect, what I think Abram is doing, and I'm not alone in this, lots of people think that what he is doing right now is that he is in effect consecrating the land. He is going in and he's building altars and he's saying, this is the land that the Lord is giving me. Each altar is an expression of him saying, yes, God is going to keep his promises to me, even though the land is not at all his yet. And in effect, what's happening here is that he is re-Edenizing this land. This land is supposed to be, for the people of Israel, the place where they encounter the presence of God. It's supposed to be Eden for them. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. All of this language is supposed to evoke for us. This is the land that God has promised to bless his people in if they walk in his ways. It's really amazing. Now, why is this important? This story is originally being told, not to you and me, but to a group of people who have just left Egypt and they're on a journey. They're walking by faith. They're going through a wilderness to that land. That's where they're going. And so Abraham, excuse me, Moses is retelling them the story the story they would have known, but he's retelling it to them in order to be able to say, listen, this land that you're about to go to, you need to, like Abram and Sarai, you need to walk by faith. You need to go to this land that the Lord has promised to you because it's the land that Abram consecrated for you as the place where the Lord is gonna meet you. It's amazing, it's powerful, right? And so what about for us? Like you and I, we don't have a promised land that's a you know, piece of, earth. We get the whole world. We celebrated the resurrection a few weeks ago, right? We talked about the importance of resurrection and how we continue to live as resurrection people. This this weird thing that happens, this this, uh, mystical, mysterious thing that happens where you and I get to experience now in some in a spiritual sense, the reality of resurrection while we wait for this future day where the promises are fulfilled in all of their fullness. 
And so what happens here is we see that this resurrection, this, the, we walk by faith today. And as we walk by faith, we're being reminded of the promises of God. Right? We're being invited to trust in Jesus. We're being invited like Abraham to, to see these promises that are given to us in scripture and to be able to trust in him. And our worship, right? our worship is an expression of what it is that we do as we journey. Why is it that we get together every Sunday? Right? It's not just because it's the thing to do. It's because worship is central to what it looks like for God's people to have that journey of faith. Right? So, so week in and week out, this rhythm of worship and life is central to how we form ourselves and how we seek to follow God. Abram is an example to us of that. Now, what happens next is awful. Because what happens next is that we see that those who walk by faith falter. They mess up. And sometimes when they mess up, they mess up. It's a big mess up. It's a big mistake. It's grievous sin. So what happens next is that there's a famine that comes to the land. We see this in verse 10. Uh, And so Abram says to his wife, I have a plan. Say that you're my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. Uh, Kids, have you ever told the truth And yet, while you were telling the truth, also told a lie. Let's imagine a scenario in which your parents say, hey, have you cleaned your room? And you respond, I made my bed. You go, all right, you can go play. So you go play, and your parents come back later. It's like, I asked you if you cleaned your room. And you said, I told you I made my bed. But the room is a mess. So that's kind of what Abram is doing here, right? Uh, Sarai is technically Abram's wife. Terah is her father, just like Terah is his father. They have two different mothers. Uh, And so Abram is telling something that's true, but he's absolutely lying in the process. And not only is he lying, he is sinning against his wife in an absolutely horrific way. Like we cannot minimize that in any way, shape, or form. The way he treats Sarai, and this is not the only time he does it, he will do it again. And in the second time that we read about it, the inference is that this was actually a normal pattern for him uh, is horrific. It's absolutely despicable. Uh, And so what happens, the logic is I'm looking out for myself. So he's, so here we have this man who up until this point in the story has been trusting in God. He's been worshiping. He's been setting these altars. And then we get to Egypt and what happens? He's relying on his own strength. He's living in fear. He goes in and he says, all right, this is the plan. I'm gonna say that you're my wife. We're gonna agree that, I'm sorry, that you're my sister. Uh, And because what would normally happen, right, is that they would go in and somebody would say, oh, your sister's really beautiful. Can I marry her? Okay, sure. Let's begin to negotiate with each other. And you just drag on the negotiation, drag on, drag on, drag on. And then you get out of Dodge right before you have to make good on all of your bargaining. What Abram probably didn't account for is that Pharaoh doesn't wait around, right? So Pharaoh takes her, brings her, and then begins the process of preparing her to be his wife. Uh, Now, again, like this is bad. Like 
And, and it's important for us to recognize just how bad this is because we begin to realize how the Lord uses broken people, right? Abram sins against Sarah, Sarai. Uh, he, in doing so, not only sins against her, he jeopardizes the promise that God made to him, right? If Sarai becomes Pharaoh's wife, she is not gonna become the mother and fulfill the blessing that God had already made to Abram. He sins against Pharaoh. Who is Abram supposed to be? Remember that word that I asked you to hold on to? The word blessing. Abram was supposed to be a blessing to people wherever he went. In fact, we will see in weeks to come, people align themselves with Abram because they realize if you're on team Abram, things are gonna go well for you. And yet he doesn't, he doesn't bring blessing to Pharaoh. He actually brings curses on Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh's house has diseases coming. What does that remind you of, right? 10 plagues of Egypt, right? Pharaoh's house has curses coming down on it because of Abram's deceit. And then he sins against God because God made a promise to him and he is jeopardizing the promise. He's not walking by faith. He is he is walking in the flesh. He's walking, trying to manipulate things and control things in his own way. Imagine the power of the story for a group of people who are being tempted to go back to Egypt as they're journeying, right? If you know the story of the Exodus, you know that they don't get out of Egypt very long and the people are like, oh, it was so much better in Egypt. We had vegetables, we had fresh vegetables in Egypt. Never mind that we had people beating us to death as we were trying to build temples, but we had fresh vegetables. Let's go back to Egypt. And so the temptation, as Moses is writing the story, he's saying like, look, Egypt is not the place where you're supposed to go. And it's a warning to us not to falter in our faith. And yet what happens? Uh, if you know the story of Israel, you know that they falter big that they don't trust in God, that they try to revolt against Moses, that they get to the promise and they actually go in and they come back out with better fruits and vegetables than they had in Egypt, but they're filled with fear. And so they take matters into their own hands. And as a result, God says, all right, I'm gonna wait 40 years before you're gonna be able to enter into the land of promise. And so the story of Abraham was meant to be a warning to the, to the people of Israel about how it is that we walk by faith and not try to take matters into our own hands. And yet, the people of Israel took matters into their own hands. And guess what? We're the same, right? We do the same thing. It is very easy for us to walk in fear. It is very easy for us to falter, uh, to, to, to see the, the, the things that are in front of us and think, oh my gosh, I've got to solve this problem by myself and not rely on the Lord. It's fascinating, isn't it? If you look, if you have, the, if you have your Bible open, what you'll notice is that, I think it's verse eight, you see the Lord mentioned, he's building an altar to the Lord. And then it says that they had to, they went down south of the promised land of the Negev. And then immediately verse 10, famine. The Lord doesn't appear in the narrative until I think it's verse 17, where he's coming in in judgment against Pharaoh because of Abram's sin. So Abram's faith is an example to us of what it is to trust in God. And so for some of us, that faith 
uh, is, is the faith of trusting in Jesus for the first time. Uh, for some of us, it's the faith of recognizing that God's calling us to follow him. The place that God is calling us to go is not a physical place, right? But it's a journey of following him in relationship. Uh, for, for others of us, it's, we've already made that step of the journey, but he's calling us to follow him in new ways. And so walking in faith is saying, this is where the Lord is calling me and this is where I have to go to follow him. Uh, and the temptation in that journey is gonna be to falter. Uh, it's gonna be to take matters into our own hands. It's gonna be to, to not trust in the Lord. And so Abram is an example to us and allows us to be honest that this is something that we're tempted to do. And yet in the midst of all of this, we get to verse 17, and what do we find? Abram is faith. Abram's faith is weak. It falters. Just like We have faith. Our faith is weak. It, our faith will falter. God does not. The Lord does not falter to Abram's promise. Listen to what happens in verse 17. The Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way, and his wife and Abram and everything that they had. Uh, for an Israelite hearing the story, the idea of Pharaoh's house having diseases would have immediately made them think of the 10 plagues that Pharaoh's, that they had just witnessed uh, and, that, and that the last plague was actually the death of Pharaoh's son along with all the firstborn sons of the people of Egypt. It would have been a clear sign to them that God is doing something that he has done before, that God was protecting his people. Now, Abram here uh, is, um, is, it'd be really easy to be like, oh, well, God bailed him. And, and yes, God did bail him, huge. But that is not in any way, shape, or form give us room to minimize the sin of Abram in this particular moment. And in fact, the, the repercussions of this are going to stay with Abram's family for some time. Uh, some have suggested, and I think it makes perfect sense, uh, if you know the name Hagar, uh, if you don't know the name Hagar, Hagar will become... Uh, Abram's second wife. Uh, and she will be the mother of his first son. And that's gonna cause all kinds of turmoil in their family. Um, and, and so where does Hagar come into the picture? Some have suggested, and I think it makes perfect sense, that Hagar was one of the servants that Pharaoh gave to Abram in this moment. Listen, can I just a little aside? We're not gonna go into this at length right now, but, but even here, even here at the beginning of the story of Abraham, we begin to see the logic of how God has ordered marriage. God has ordered marriage to be between a husband and a wife and that they are faithful to each other. You don't, you don't, you don't treat lightly the marriage relationship. Abraham treated lightly the marriage relationship and it caused all kinds of problems for him. And it was, it was not just for him, right? Generations, Isaac is gonna do the same thing to Rebecca. Jacob will have his favorite wife and it will cause havoc to his family. 
So that's a little side note, but an important side note that already we begin to see the way God has ordered marriage is already, even though it's being broken here, the ramifications of it are huge. In the midst of all of this, God doesn't falter. Abram falters. He sins in huge ways. He sins against his wife. He sins against Pharaoh. He sins against the Lord. But God remains faithful to him and brings him out of Egypt in the same way that God was faithful to Israel, the nation, and brings them out of Egypt. And they're going to rebel against God. They're going to complain. They're going to want to go back to Egypt. And yet God remains faithful to them. And so here's the God's going to remain faithful to us. Now that does not mean, don't don't mishear me, right? That does not mean that we get to do whatever we want and say, okay, well, God's just going to forgive me. Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, goes at great length to say that kind of logic is not biblical logic. You can't say, well, I'll just sin and then grace will abound. It doesn't work that way. But God's plan will not fail. And you, sitting here today, through faith in Christ, you're a part of God's plan. You hear that? You are a part of God's plan. This is what God says to us through Paul. Understand, this is Galatians 3, understand then that those who have faith are the children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abram. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. We are here today because of the faithfulness of Abraham. And, and we are his spiritual descendants. We are, very, we are called the people of Abraham, the children of Abraham by faith. So that when we put our faith in Christ, we're actually being adopted into the family of Abraham. Just as Abraham put his faith in God and trusted him to go into the land of Canaan, so also we put our faith in God and trust in Jesus as he calls us to follow him. That's, that, that God is faithful to that promise. He will not veer. He will not let anything deviate that promise or make it go awry. Amen? Now, what does this mean for us as a church? Uh, so uh, it's hard to believe that uh, our family has already been here just over eight months. Um, and, and so we are, I think, just now at the point where we can say, okay, we have a little bit of a sense of who Harbor is. Uh, we have a little bit of a sense of what San Diego is like. Uh, by no means, you know, I still haven't met many of you, uh, you know, one-on-one the way I would like to. Uh, but there's this growing sense of, look, okay, we've, we, we kind of feel like we have enough to be able to at least now to begin to ask questions Where is God calling us? Uh, How is God calling us as a church to follow him? Uh, I don't know the answer yet, right? But I know the next steps because the next steps he is making those steps clear to us. And so so one of those steps that he's made clear to us is we said, look, the Lord, you know, really laid, laid it on my heart that we need to be focused on prayer and scripture. And so we've done that, right? We started these Bible studies. We had great, great participation. Lots of you got involved in that. It was very encouraging. Uh, we've been focusing on prayer. We've got more Bible studies coming. We're, we're talking now. Uh, when we go back to the warehouse next week, we're going to start implementing that for our children as well. Um, and, and we've been, we've got a meeting coming up with a few people uh, this week or next week to, to begin to think through a little bit more 
What's the next thing that we need to do to be thinking about prayer? Um, so, you know, we're taking steps, but I don't, I like, I got a few, I can see like a few steps and then I can't see. I don't know yet. I don't know where the Lord is leading us. So we're going to go back to the warehouse next week. And let's just be honest. Now, I know not all of you are excited about that. All right, I get that. It's okay. This is a really nice place. <laughs> um, but, but right now, it seems like that's where God is calling us, right? And so even though this is really great, he wants us over there right now. Uh, and so that's where we've got to be. I don't know how long we need to be there. That, that, that's not clear to me yet. That's not clear to the leadership yet. But that's where he wants us to be. And so walking by faith is taking these incremental steps as a church. And so you see, this is not just for us as individuals. Um, can I be honest? Like I, I decided to preach Abram because I needed to be reminded of what it looks like to walk by faith. Uh, because we're now at that point where I've been here long enough and people are like, hey, what's your vision for this? And what's your vision for that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a vision yet. Um, but, but I know what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to follow him. And that's not entirely clear yet what all of that looks like, and that's okay. It doesn't need to be all clear this moment. He will make it clear to us as time goes on. And this is what I also know, right? There's going to be temptation to falter. There's going to be temptation for us to, oh, well, we're afraid. Let's do this. Let's take this in our own hands. Uh, I, 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 I can totally be guilty of doing that. But in the midst of all of that, here's what we know. Our God does not falter. He loves this church. And Harbor City will be here for as long as he wants it to be here and not a moment longer. Because he is the king of Harbor City Church. And so we walk by faith. We will falter. But God won't. Uh, and that's what the life of Abraham begins to show us. And so we're going to spend the next few months considering this father of the faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for uh, what you teach us in your word, that you, are, that you are faithful and true in spite of our faithfulness. And yet you call us to follow you. You call us to go. You call us to take steps uh, in following after you. And so, Lord, we do that. We do that in faith, knowing that you will reveal to us what it is that you, you need us to see uh, and that you want us to walk by faith. Lord, uh, when we are tempted to falter, whether that is in our own individual lives or for us as a church, as a community of faith, um, help us uh, to see that those temptations and to turn to you. And when we falter and we respond in fear and take manners into our own hands, uh, we will trust that you will lovingly guide us back on the path that we should go. Uh, Father, we thank you that your faithfulness to Abraham endured not just through his lifetime, but for thousands and thousands of years so that we now can stand here, sit here, sing here, eat here today and recognize that we are his spiritual descendants, uh, that we are children of Abraham by faith. 
uh, and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, we ask all of these things. Amen.